We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Diggs. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I am joined as always by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz, co-host of Stealing Bananas with Ben Gretsch, and obviously co-host of Rotoviz Overtime as well. But Sean, we are going to be joined in just a couple of moments by Peter Overzet. He was on Tuesday's podcast as we dived into a lot of baseball conversation. We're going to talk with him today about not only tight ends and what we should be doing with tight ends in 2022, but also how to manage your player exposure and those drafts. So really looking forward to that. And there is a clip we teased on Tuesday's podcast coming up here with a little bit of uh, linguistic improv from Peter Overset that you are not going to want to miss. So that is coming up in just a moment or two. But Sean, Thursday's show is going to be a fun one. Looking forward to sharing this with the listeners. Yeah, and we're going to get a lot more detail into some best ball strategies. We're going to be looking at some FFPC tactics. We're going to be looking at some underdog drafts. Uh, For any listeners who are wanting to get some additional benefits from our partners in those contests, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. You can do that at the bottom of any of the pages on rotaviz.com. Curtis Patrick puts that together for us you get all of his sort of behind the scenes little strategic tips last season one of those was that his highest exposure player was cooper cup and so if you follow along there you obviously had a very very good season but you'll get links to all of the key articles that you want to read it's just a, a really great additional piece to kind of round out what you're doing there with Rotoviz. sign up for that if you get a chance it really does help us out but mostly it's going to help you out with some of these deals from the FFPC, from Underdog. We've got a lot of great things going with them. We'll have some fantastic content, obviously, on the site with both of those groups. So uh, just really looking forward to this offseason there. Subscribe to the newsletter. I would highly recommend the newsletter as well. You mentioned Curtis sent them out. It did have an enjoyable comment about the recent draft that yourself and Pete were talking about on Tuesday's show where he did talk about checking to see if you were okay or if it was a cry for help when you had drafted those three running backs in the first three rounds so you get lots of good content lots of good information but uh, subscribe to the newsletter this is episode 396 of the road of his overtime podcast so 
we are looking forward to bringing episode 400 to you on Saturday week, and that will be a fun one for us to drop. We're still finalizing some of the plans for what we're going to do behind the scenes, but we'd really appreciate it if you could drop us a written and review on your favorite podcast app, or if you could, if you have already, we greatly appreciate it, but you can head on and just add a, a full stop, add a smiley face, add whatever you want to the end of it and uh, click that save button that will refresh it and it'll kickstart the algorithm. So please do that. We would greatly appreciate that. But with that all in and done, let's get back to it. We teased how funny some of this is. So uh, back yet again to the show. It is the one and only Peter Overzet. He did mention at the end of the show on Tuesday, the second YouTube channel that is up and running. Uh, I would highly recommend you to head on over, check that out and hit the subscribe button over there. Uh, Pete is, in my opinion, one of the, the funniest guys in the entire, not, not just fantasy football but the the twitter space uh, really enjoy all the content he puts out you can follow him on twitter as well at peter overzet but pete welcome back yeah always good uh to be back you know i, I saw leone get to dominate the uh, ot airwaves last uh week with his double header and uh and happy to do the same this week yeah he went on the thursday and saturday shows you're the first person that's dived into the tuesday and thursday they are the you know they're the prime time slots that you've you've got yourself in on this week so uh looking forward to it but lots of stuff to cover uh but sean i think we're going to have some fun here as we kick things off a little bit of improv i said pete was funny we're going to just check how good his linguistic skills are here uh one of our good buddies connor o'driscoll known as drico has you know there was a lot of people put in this suggestion uh so we have to give the people what they want but he is wondering in your best irish accent and this is a little bit braveheart inspired but he wants you to say you can take our receivers but you can never take our structural tight end advantage and i have privately messaged pete on a number of occasions to tell him that he has one of the best irish accents in the business well, I will say, I mean, the, the Braveheart, that's Scottish, right? Because that, that now I'm Scottish. worried, now I'm worried I'm gonna get Scottish, although I don't think I'm good enough at accents to actually be able to say I'm going to do an Irish versus I'm only gonna do a Scottish. But I will give this a shot. Maybe an Irish Scottish blend uh to make sure we do the the prompt here. Um, all right, let me let me get into character here. You can have our wide receivers, but you'll never take our structural tight end advantage. <laughs> I think that might have, that might have went into Scandinavian towards the end there, uh, but yeah, that, that was great. One of one of my favorite uh, back when I had the Overtime Ireland podcast. One of my favorite things that I did was I I interviewed uh, Pete Manzanelli in character uh, for for one of the shows. So that was uh, that was great to get to talk to the mans. But Sean, we'll we'll get into the real stuff now. Uh, we're we're really loosened up. We're ready to go. Uh, I'll let you take it away with tight ends. That, well, I mean, in all honesty, I think the listeners want the entire episode in 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 Irish here. And since you know we have the heavy Irish, UK, Scottish audience, I mean, there's there's some pressure with that. They're they're going to be able to tell the difference, as you, as you mentioned there, Pete. But definitely opening ourselves up to the the Swedish market there after the that that impersonation. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of just want to go for a singular global accent that can kind of encompass everyone. I know you guys don't want to box out any regions. This is, you know, welcoming exactly. for everyone. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just, I, I'm still in the in the moment from the other. I'm going to have to take a, a quick break here. <laughs> I'm going to get a sip of coffee too. I need to, uh, I really expended all my energy on that. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so back to seriousness here for a second. We do have the structural tight end 
advantage, or at least it has been a big advantage in the past. The first episode, I should say, edition of the Best Ball Workshop for 2022, I look at that tight end advantage. And I do note that and a lot of this obviously is coming from just a couple of key guys. Those guys get hurt. Obviously, Travis Kelsey gets hurt. And, you know, the numbers are going to change on this. But there are four to six players who are making a huge impact at the tight end position. It has been fairly consistent in terms of the scoring from those guys. And when you put those players in, it just massively supercharges your win rates. So, Pete, when you're drafting and obviously you mentioned in the first show how many drafts you've done already you've got these builds for underdog you've got these builds for ffpc especially in ffpc it's going to make a big difference with the double flex and with the tight end premium as you're looking at those first three rounds obviously it's not something that just happens that you get the tight ends you've got to pass on some other you know very intriguing players to select them do you have a process that you like right now? Do you have guys from sort of the big five that you're really trying to load up on and others that you're trying to avoid? How is that working in your early drafts? Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed your your article on that. And I've, I think, intuitively been drafting that way. I just know when I'm, you know, whether it's on FFPC, I'm generally wanting to come out of the second round with one of those elite tight ends because they're not often there in the third round. And on underdog in the same way, you're able to get them more uh, in the fourth, fifth round. You're actually getting some discounts on those guys relative to last year where, you know, Kittle and Waller really got pushed up and were routinely going at the back end of the second round. So, yes, I always feel so, so much better about my teams when I'm able to get one of those guys. And I was actually doing a draft stream yesterday, and someone asked in the chat, they, he said, are there any elite tight ends this year? And, you know, he was being a little reductionist there, but I, I get his point in saying that there's lots of holes that you can poke in all of these top four or five guys. I mean, you can go down the line and say, Kelsey's getting older. Will the offense be different without Hill? Mark Andrews was, most of his production came when Lamar Jackson was at quarterback. You can go with Kyle Pitts. Will he connect with Mariota? Will this offense be able to sustain drives? George Kittle, he's been a blocker. Who's going to be their quarterback? Darren Waller, is he going to have to compete with Devontae Adams? Like you can go down the line and poke holes. But the thing that was kind of crystallizing for me in the same way, when we do take a detour for a run, Running back, we want to make sure it's a running back with, as Pat Crane says, with legendary upside. And we know there's injury risks and we know there's paths to failure. But if the stars do align, they give you such a massive structural advantage that your league mates can't keep up. And I do think that those five guys, and I know Sean's guy, uh, Hawkinson, maybe as well included in that conversation, they do have that potential to have the massive season where they separate from the field and then especially in the FFPC format, they're just giving you such a massive weekly point edge on your opponent. So I'm still all for chasing that legendary tight end upside this year. What are the, maybe the the biggest or the trickiest decision, you know, when you're looking at those guys, is there a spot, you know, based on draft slot or, you know, as you're moving through those rounds where it just gets really difficult because you're thinking, you know, a kill or a waller here would be great, but I have someone else that I just have to have on my teams. What's the hardest thing that you're having to do when you're taking that early tight end? Yeah, I think I do mentally, I am um, giving a little extra weight to the tight ends. Like if I have two guys, if I'm looking at, I don't know, George Kittle and, and T Higgins, you know, as much as I love T Higgins, I'm still going to break ties in favor of the tight end just for that structural advantage, and especially in best ball too, knowing that I can maybe make up 
um, for some, some firepower with volume later. But I think the toughest thing for me in drafts is after I've gotten that elite tight end, um, thinking through how much to push that edge to my advantage as far as having more flexibility with the tight end two and tight end three roster spots. And obviously I don't want to just take, you know, necessarily Kelsey and then a late, a last round guy that has no chance to give me points. And so kind of figuring out based on the draft capital and the assumptions I've already spent on tight end, where and when can I get my tight end two and potentially tight end three in the same way, if you don't get an elite tight end, and you're wondering, like in our road of his draft where I missed out and I ended up grabbing Dawson Knox and Gesicki and then wondering, all right, can I get by with these two? Can this be a two tight end build or is it just thin enough that I need a three tight end build? So I'd say for me with tight end, that's the toughest thing is really thinking through if I'm right, what additional, you know, kind of reinforcements do I need at the same position? And then just to take a, a quick little detour from the best ball for a second, you mentioned poking the holes in those top guys, and that very definitely true. And, and for me, that almost more of an issue or a consideration in some cases in Dynasty, although the flip side of that is that in Dynasty, you can kind of weather it, at least with maybe some of the younger guys. Do you have a preference among the stars for a Dynasty team, maybe in the tight end premium kind of thing, and people are doing a startup? Do you have a guy that you like there? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, when I look at these guys as and and start to think through cost and age, I mean, the the three that would stand out for me would be Pitts, Kittle, and Hawkinson. And then I think I'd probably in, you know, Dynasty be downgrading a little bit of Kelsey Waller and Andrews. Uh, I, I'm in a dynasty league right now. It's not tight in premium, but Kelsey has been, you know, just the anchor for my team for years now and has given me such a big advantage. And I'm kind of hemming and hawing because I have a team that I know can compete for a title again this year, but do I want to move off of him? And I've been in my head tossing around potential ideas of like, could I get pits plus, you know, and I know that's going to be tough in some leagues, but trying to think through stuff like that. But, but yeah, I, I think I tend to, you know, value, um, those, those guys that are slightly younger and I feel, you know, more like their, their pure talent could carry them more so than the specific situations, um, where I, I think maybe some of those other guys, uh, might be vulnerable to kind of changes in their environment. Yeah. It can be hard to give up on those Kelsey shares, you know, with all that we do know, he's, he's still such an edge at the position in dynasty. Um, you talked about, you know, the approaches of, either getting the elite guy, maybe missing out on an elite guy and waiting, or or how you're playing that. A question that came in from Tom Strachan, and it was around the fact that he says every year we hear tight end is deeper than it previously was. He writes that he thinks it looks pretty rotten this year, which is, you know, and I think that's to do with the depth, not the top end. I think we have the top end guys there. But my approach in these leagues, particularly at the FFPC, is generally to get one of those guys as far as Hawkinson being the last guy in that tier, and then usually going back and getting the guy in the ninth, tenth round and having two solid options because of the uh, advantage, you know, with the tight end position and the FFPC. But I do agree with Tom that when you get to beyond round 12, I would say there is not a huge amount of options that I'm thinking, or you mentioned the legendary upside, you know, I don't think there's a lot of guys that are going to have top 12 upside once you go past that point. 
how do you approach that second tier of you know once you go past maybe that nine through 12 range do you think it's a huge drop off then and, and do you like those guys in that kind of nine through 12 range yeah no i i agree with that thought too i feel you know pretty gross um once you're <laughs> you're in that range and you know for best ball honestly i break most of my ties in favor of you know stacking um, where it's like, okay, I, I, I'm going to grab Justin Fields or I got Justin Fields. Okay. Cole Komet starts to look a little nicer or, Hey, I took Mac Jones, you know, or I'm going to backdoor stack Mac Jones, Hunter Henry, you know, maybe looks more attractive and just trusting that that correlation bump will make them a slightly better pick than in a vacuum. But yeah, I'm with you as far as guys that I get really excited about, um, for, I don't know, let's say, you know, outperforming their draft round by, or you know, four or five rounds. I mean, there's a couple guys. Um, I still think Noah Fant, um, just because of who he is as a talent, could maybe overcome um, some poor QB play. Gerald Everett uh, with Justin Herbert uh, is very intriguing to me. Um, I feel like he, you know, I, I know we're more excited about Albert O, but everyone's now excited about Albert O and seeing, you know, I'm looking at a draft right now where they have almost a four and a half round difference in their ADPs. That seems a little rich to me as far as AFC West tight ends. Um, so yeah, you know, some of these younger guys, some of these guys who have changed teams where there's a little uncertainty on their role. And then other than that, just prioritizing the tight end with the stack. And that's what I did in our Rotoviz underdog league. You know, a lot I missed out on those elite tight ends. I'm not the biggest, you know, Dawson Knox guy, but I took Josh Allen early. And if Josh Allen has a massive season, I think Dawson Knox will probably come along for the ride in a pretty decent way. So just kind of trusting that the correlation could take care of that. Yeah, you mentioned it there as well um, in terms of the underdog style of things. So I'm going to touch on that in a second. I just do want to shout out that in one of the FFPC drafts this Probably about a month ago, Sean, that was the one that we drafted at 2 a.m. my time. Uh, we did get Albert O with the second last pick of the tw 20th round, which I think uh, is looking pretty good at this particular point in time. So um, ADP has shifted quite dramatically since that point, obviously, with the trade off Noah Fant shortly after that. But um, how are we looking then when we get to somewhere like we talk a lot about the FFPC, we talk about tight end premium. Obviously, underdog is 0.5 PPR and doesn't have a tight end premium advantage. So how then do you shift that approach? Um, you mentioned about like breaking tiebreakers in favor of the tight end. Is that something that's solely for tight end premium or are you doing that sometimes as well when it comes to underdog drafting? Yeah, I mean, on underdog, I still really like getting that elite tight end because it generally means I'm going to only have to grab one more tight end. Um, I will say in some of these really early contests, just knowing how much uncertainty and how many chances there are for injuries and, and offenses imploding, I have felt a little comfier with, with three tight end builds. And I think I talked about this on the Stealing Bananas episode and then kind of pushing how willing I am to more extreme draft strategies as we get closer to the season. That's when I'm much more willing to do two QB builds, two tight end builds, really go hyper fragile stuff. Um, but yeah, to me, I'm just constantly trying to do that mental calculation of what draft capital have I already spent on this position? If I'm right, what do I need at the bare minimum to, to still get by and make sure that if my stud guy does have a bad week that I can continue to advance through 
through these rounds. And that's the thing, even with some of these elite tight ends, like they're still going to have the weeks where Darren Waller gets five points. Can he go for 40? Of course, but you're going to need to think through how you're going to get by in those, in those down weeks. And so, yeah, it's generally just thinking through what have I already spent and, uh, and where do I need to devote more capital here? Hey, Rotoviz fans, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So then, Pete, we, we have a question here from Jeremy. And, and again, feel free to do this in your Irish accent if you would like. But who is this year's Jamar Chase? Now, obviously, Chase, a generational prospect. We're not necessarily looking at it from that perspective. But uh, when I drafted with you guys on, on ship chasing, we had Chase, we had Waddle. Those guys were a huge part of the success of that team. We got pretty decent prices on them. And the early going, even though there is some enthusiasm for this year's crop of rookie wide receivers, they're not that expensive. But Perhaps that's good because we know they're going to get more expensive after the draft, or at least specific ones are. And at that point, maybe they would be too expensive. But do you have some guys that you like, a player or two that are sort of the bedrock of maybe that kind of that second wave of wide receivers? Because I think a lot of times people hear us talk about zero RB in these wide receiver early portions of the draft and think that we go, you know, three or four wide receivers, a tight end, and then it's all running backs to balance that out. But I mean, the running backs still really come a lot later. You've got to get more wide receivers in that six through 10 area. And especially if the rookies last to that point, they can be a huge part of that. Yeah. And I think that's what makes things 
tricky this year specifically because I mean, you think back to where we were able to draft Jalen Waddle last year, even as a as a rookie that you know, had a great profile, was drafted early, went to a spot with opportunity. Like he checked a lot of boxes from even a redraft standpoint, and we were still getting him in the eighth, ninth round. This year, I think because of the Jamar Chase, because of the J- Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith having a solid season, people are so much more comfortable drafting these rookie wide receivers that they're they're very expensive, you know? In a way, I, I am excited about a bunch of these guys, but even looking at our Rotoviz draft, I, I'm really excited about Traylon Burks. I mean, he goes in the sixth round here. Um, could he pay off that, that ADP? Of course, um, but you're starting to wonder how much meat is on the bone there. And, you know, Drake London going in the seventh round of this draft and, and Garrett Wilson as well. So I'm a little concerned that we're starting to draft these guys at the very high end of their, their range of outcomes. On the flip side, you think about how these tournaments work. And, you know, I, I'm thinking back to week 17 last year uh, when when Chess Liam won the best ball mania on underdog and he had this monster game from Amon Ra St. Brown. And sometimes the way we see these rookies is they peak in really big ways at the most important times in weeks 15, 16, and 17 when we're trying to put up these monster scores. So you could certainly say like a guy like even Traylon Burks, maybe he doesn't do much for your lineup the first six weeks, but if you have enough firepower around him and then he puts up the 30-point week in week 16, that could be a massive differentiator. So I certainly understand in value taking shots on these rookies, just knowing that if you do hit the high end of their outcomes, you could get you know, uh, even what would we want? 60% of what Javar Chase did against the Chiefs last year in in week 17. So yeah, I guess that's a long roundabout way of saying I have been sprinkling these guys in, but I'm a little cautious on, on price right now. We did have a fantastic question come in from Michael Dubner, a great writer up on the website, and it's about managing player exposures. And I think this is something that like, you know, if you're doing one draft or two drafts, obviously you're not going to be overly concerned about the exposure to players. But you've mentioned already, you know, at the start of the show, um, how many drafts you've done this year. Myself and Sean are doing a lot of drafts. And that can lead to, like, I, last year, the ongoing joke with myself was James Conner had, a, like, 45% ownership, which at one point did start to concern me that it was way overweight. But he's wondering how does your management of player exposures change when you're thinking about getting exposure to players you expect to be underweight on versus being disciplined with players you want to be overweight on. So I know you mentioned previously about like, you know, you have the clip when you're in your draft shows and, you know, if that opportunity comes up, you're going to draft them, but you also don't want to have, you know, 70% exposure to certain players. How do you weigh up that player exposure? And I know when you are doing the drafts, you know, you are tracking the exposures. Is that something that's, that's hard to keep up to date with as to across the platforms? Yeah, and I, I should mention, you know, Dubner has built some of his own tools for for tracking, yeah. and he's, uh, he'll actually let us know in the ship chasing chat. Uh, yeah, you guys are at eighty percent George Kittle <laughs> through your five drafts, which uh, is definitely something that happens for us specifically on stream. Uh, I do think about exposures a lot, although I will say. I don't think about it a ton at the beginning of the offseason. Like, I'm not super concerned about it right now. Um, yeah. We know how much ADPs can move throughout free agency in the draft. So I don't think getting overweight on guys early now is a problem. To me, what really becomes hard 
is then when we get to August and early September, right before the season starts of how do you balance those things out? And that's where I really want to be cognizant of my exposures and making sure I'm not so overconfident. Like, you know, let's just say as an example, okay, I've been hammering Deontay Foreman. Let's just say in training camp, we start to hear, Hey, Chuba is, you know, splitting this backup work with them. And there's a path to Chuba being the pure handcuff for CMC. I want to make sure then that I'm really flexible and that I don't have 95% confidence Foreman's the true handcuff to Chuba. And I start mixing in Chuba because I still have the same thesis that I want the handcuff to McCaffrey, but I have a little less certainty on it. So to me, it's when we get new information coupled with what I've already done, that's when I want to either mitigate risk or find out ways, hey, I'm so heavy on Trey Sermon. If I'm wrong, what might actually be the player who benefits the most? Okay, maybe I want to start mixing in more Jeff Wilson or, or whoever that may be. So I think as the season goes on, I'm going to get more and more cognizant of my exposures and portfolio and, and then really try to go out of my way to, to balance it a bit. Yeah, I think it's interesting too as well, like at this early point, and you know, I'm a, a claim earlier about picking Alberto in the 20th round, but you know, things are going to happen where players are now in the 12th round and then come August, they're going to be in the ninth round. So like factoring in things like that. And then the reverse of it where a player may, you know, seem like they're a very overpriced now, but may drop down draft boards. And then we have to dip in to get some exposure to those as well. But the follow-up question he had was, are you willing to go 0% exposure on some of the most egregiously priced players? So I guess, are there, are there players that under no circumstances are you really going to go and, and draft? Or are you willing to go out of your way to at least get some minimal exposure if they fall past ADP, kind of like what I touched on there? You know, Even if it's still earlier than when, where you would value, but if it's a case that maybe they're around to, to 14, 15 picks after ADP. Yeah, I would say in differently than how I, I probably don't want hundred percent of guys. I am okay. Having 0% uh, of guys, you know, guys, like you said, that are really mispriced, or I just don't think have the ability to really burn me. Um, and, you know, just looking at some of my teams that have had the most success and, and last year, and I know on the stealing bananas, we were looking at my underdog team. I drafted with Eric Bime for, and it didn't have any of those league winners on it. You know, all of the top five, six win rate guys. And, you know, that's really kind of driven home to me how much the structural advantage takes care of things and that I don't necessarily feel like, oh, just because I don't have, you know, any Elijah Mitchell, let's say before the road of his draft, that I'm now going to go out of my way to get him just so I can say I have 1% Eli Mitchell, because when you think about it that way, right? If Eli Mitchell has this smash year, I'm probably already buried <laughs> on a lot of my team. So what is having one extra share of him going to do? So I don't feel like I want to like place all my bets around the roulette table evenly. If it's like, you know, if I miss on that player, then I, then I miss on him and I'm not going to try to, you know, make myself sleep a little easier because I grabbed one extra share. It's interesting hearing you say that I was reading through some of Blair's old wrong read articles recently. And one of the things that jumped out to me is that people were kind of talking about this topic and, and going through and, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And one of the best players in the world was saying, you know, he's actually worried more about over diversification than not having enough access and for similar types of reasons you can over diversify your way out of the win rates that you would have had by hitting on your guys the other thing that happens for me is that you get into these situations where you've got just a couple of teams with some of these players you don't normally have 
And then if they do well, it just creates such a huge problem because you're rooting against yourself so hard in some of these situations as you go into these uh, big playoff types of contests. Now, in some ways, that can be good if it, if it carries you through. But like you said, it, it's hard if it feels like if this one team comes through, everybody else that you have is going to be dead. And so <laughs> I, I like to have my guys in there. Pete, we couldn't have you on the show without trying to get at, you know, at least one or two cool anecdotes here. And I, I always kind of throw in that the funniest thing that's happened to me during fantasy is, you know, during a draft itself is this one where many years ago now we were in this high stakes draft. I think it was a very high dollar kind of draft. A guy had selected like three quarterbacks in the first, you know, in the single digit rounds. The moderator was even kind of in there hinting like stop drafting quarterbacks. Then he disappears for a while. He comes back and he gives us this whole story about how he's just killed a snake outside of his, you know, house or, or trailer or whatnot. And just <laughs> it was it was the absolute best. We know that you have an untold number of hilarious stories. What's the funniest thing that happened to you on a show? Something overheard, you know, last year or you know, in previous years in fantasy. Man, yeah. I one thing, one funny thing that started to happen um, last year. So Pat and I have been going to Vegas for the FFPC drafts um, pretty much every year for about six or seven years, other than you know the COVID year a couple of years ago. And you know, for the most part, we flew pretty under uh, the radar. You know, Pat and I just kind of doing our own thing. Well, this year, I think you know, obviously because of ship chasing, it would seem like there was one or two people in our drafts who were aware of us or aware of what we like to do in drafts in ways that it would completely catch us off guard. It wasn't like someone would come say hi to us. Hey, excited to draft or whatever. It'd be like, we're in the draft, haven't talked to anyone. And then, you know, Visca gets drafted and someone looks at us and says, roll the clip. And so I'm like, Pat and I started to realize like, <laughs> oh my God, we, we are not safe anymore. We are being closed in on. Everyone knows what we want to do. They know what we're thinking at any time because they've heard us talk through our drafting strategies and our favorite players over and over. So that was a very funny and uh, sobering moment there. And, and, but just a lot of fun to, to, uh, to get to draft with people um, who, who were familiar with the show. And then we do a little segment where we'd like to give some recommendations. What's the funniest TV show that you've watched in the last couple of years? Or if you have a favorite book that you'd like to recommend and so we got lots of great books and TV show recommendations from the listeners. We can't let you go without getting yours. Yeah. Um, so a couple, so TV I've, during this season, I wasn't watching much TV at all. I was pretty busy. And now I've been catching back up on stuff. Uh, my wife and I have been blowing through that F1 uh, Drive to Survive uh, documentary on Netflix. Very much enjoying that. Atlanta came back. Uh, Donald Glover's show. I think it's one of the sharpest, funniest shows out there. That's been really enjoyable. Um, I wrapped up Righteous Gemstones, the Danny McBride HBO show. Um, and he's just an incredible writer and performer. So those would be some of the, the shows I've been enjoying. And then a book. Um, I actually just mentioned this one to Davis and Corrine the other day. I don't know if you guys remember the book, uh, The Perfect Pass by S.C. Gwynn. He wrote about how mummy in the origins of the air raid. And I know a bunch of us had read it a few years back when Cliff Kingsbury was taking over the Cardinals and was, you know, purportedly supposed to be bringing the air raid elements to that offense. And, um, my other buddy who read that book with us, he said, Hey, SC Gwynn has this other incredible book called, uh, empire of the summer moon. 
and it's not sports related whatsoever. It's basically about a 40 year you know, battle in the American frontier between, you know, Texas settlers and the Comanche Indians who basically roamed the plains and were um, just controlled all that territory. And it's just this incredible like narrative um, and also, you know, historical nonfiction story of what played out there and in the brutality of all of it and just the incredible ingenuity of these Comanche Indians as well. So I've been just eating up that book. I'm almost done with it. And uh, if, if you're into SC Gwynn or liked uh, The Perfect Pass, I, I think you'd also enjoy this as well. I was going to say my favorite TV show for 2022 is Ship Chasing. Um, <laughs> uh, me and Sean were joking off air about, you know, some of the clips now going up on YouTube and we were saying like, you know, what does it look like? I have a 65 inch TV and Sean said he watches YouTube sometimes on a 65 inch TV and we we're thinking, I don't know what we look like on 65 inch TVs, but ship chasing is definitely uh, a go-to every time there's an episode up there. But uh, before we let you go, thanks again for jumping on to both shows this week, Peter. Um, you can obviously check out Peter on Twitter at Peter Overzet. And do you want to give a, another plug? You can never give too many plugs for uh, the new YouTube channel. So take it away. Yeah, the, the new YouTube channel is Peter Overzet's Deposit Kingdom on my uh, original channel. I continue to do all of uh, my live streams. And of course, Ship Chasing has its own channel. And uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty consistent over there. Every Wednesday, 9.15 p.m. Eastern. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be drafting all off season. And yeah, on the new channel, excited to uh, start doing some more best ball strategy videos. I can just feel it as, as the draft's about to hit. And then uh, we're going to be full throttle uh, into drafting all summer. Can't wait. The, the new channel, Sean, would have given you the trademark for Peter Overset Rules the World if you did want to use that as the new name for the second channel. But thanks again for jumping on, uh, Pete. Of course. Always a, a pleasure hanging out with you guys. Once again, follow Peter on Twitter at Peter Overset. But Sean, those shows were an absolute blast to record. They were. That's always you know, one of our favorite things to have uh, Pete on the show. He didn't disappoint. You get the accent, you get the anecdote, you get the great recommendations. I'm looking forward to uh, checking that book out. Uh, I've got HBO Max right now, so I'll get, be able to get in there and, and check out some of his TV recommendations. As always, we're looking for listener recommendations for both books and TV shows. Some of the listener recommendations last year were key in getting me through you know, some of those times where the pandemic was still holding on. So we appreciate those. Let us know what you're reading. Let us know what you're watching. We've got some cool stuff coming up for you. As you mentioned in the intro on the 400th episode column, I have run across some new, uh, really good television programming in the last month, month and a half. So we'll be sharing some of that in the near future. Sign up for the newsletter. Check us out with our partners, FFPC. We've got some great content coming up. I had the first episode, or I should say the first edition of the Best Ball Workshop up on the site this week. We're going to have a lot more of that. Have the Dynasty Workshop starting up. We've got lots of fantastic underdog content coming. We mentioned that draft that we're all in. Michael Dubner has been putting that together, has written a lot of cool content on there. The first five rounds and then rounds six through 10. You know, how am I trying to uh, pivot now and fill out the rest of that team after selecting those running backs early? You'll get to see a little bit of that in there. Obviously, great drafts from uh, people like Blair and Dave and uh, Connor, who we know is 
one of the absolute best ball gurus. So we appreciate everybody participating in that, but you'll have your, your underdog content met for you. And like I said, this has just been a fantastic week. We'll have more great stuff for you on Saturday. But again, a big thanks to Pete for coming on and doing those two shows. We had the Zero RB show. We have the best ball show. And they were just both perfect. Yeah, really, really great. And thanks again to Pete for coming on. Sean mentioned a lot of the stuff coming up on the website. You can get access to that, but you can also get access to all of the tools and everything that will help you for your drafts this year. Obviously, it's getting like if you're not drafting already, draft season is coming and it's only going to ramp up. But you can get access to all of the rankings on the site. You can access all of the tools, help you with those drafts, manage your player exposures and so on, like we talked about on today's show you can do that and save yourself 10 percent off a road of his nfl pass by using the code rv radio 2022 at checkout that saves you 10 percent off it also supports the podcast but it also helps you for your 2022 fantasy season as well so we are going to wrap things up there once again thank you for tuning in to this episode of road of his overtime my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at Overtime Ireland. If you have any questions, any topics you'd like to see on some of the upcoming shows, send them my way. we got a lot of good questions coming in from the listeners over the last couple of days for Pete that made today's show really, really uh, enjoyable. Some great nuggets from Pete as a result of that as well. And of course, you can check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. You can also check him out on Stealing Bananas with Ben Gretsch. And until we're back on Saturday with another podcast, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.